I'm Michelle Sims, and this is The Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. I'm excited to welcome Fitz Kohler to the Beauty in the Mess. Fitz is on a mission to help people become fit before they hear a horrible diagnosis or something bad happens in their life. She speaks about the four pillars of fitness, proficiency, strength, cardiovascular fitness, and flexibility and balance that people need to become truly fit, as well as many other topics that we get into. As Fitz says, if you can't do five push-ups, but you can run a marathon, that doesn't mean you're fit. Fitness not only affects your body, but it affects your brain as well. So it's extremely important for all of us. Join us as we talk about all things fitness. In her own words, Fitz is noisy, bossy, and compelling. In 2019, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and her healthy athletic body was brutalized by 15 months of chemotherapy, radiation, and surgeries. Instead of slowing down, Fitz turned up the volume on her career. And as a cancer crusher, she has written many books called My Noisy Cancer Comeback, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong, and A Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal. Fitz is a busy keynote speaker, a professional race announcer, and of course, a prominent fitness expert. Her company, Fitzness International, that she created from her passion to help others become fit, has a global reach, and she's conquered every avenue of mass media to help people live longer and better. She has a master's degree in exercise and sports sciences and decades of experience teaching fitness worldwide. She also has a popular podcast called The Fitness Show, among many other things. In her free time, Fitz enjoys water sports, strength training, obstacle course races, animals, hugs, sarcasm, getting muddy in her Jeep Wrangler, and traveling. She lives in Gainesville, Florida. So let's dive right in to today's discussion. Hi, Fitz. Welcome to the Beauty and the Mess. I'm very excited to have you with us today. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. Great to talk to you and your audience. Thank you. Now, I know you're a keynote speaker, an author, a professional race announcer, and a fitness expert amongst a whole host of other things. But before we get into all that today, would you mind sharing some of your backstory? Like what's led you to where you're at in your life today? Such a winding path, but I started teaching fitness right a little before I turned 15. I ended up in a gym after a soccer injury where I blew my knee out, had surgery, had physical therapy, and they steered me towards a gym and I fell in love with it. And so eventually I left my job at Cinnabon at the mall (laughs) and I applied at Spa Lady and they hired me and I started teaching fitness at 15. And I just, I fell in love with it. I'm a true believer in healthy bodies and the impact that can have on your entire life. And I fell in love with the connection I had with the people that I was serving, my, the people in my classes or those I was doing personal training and so forth with. Went to college and I, I got a master's in exercise and sports sciences at the University of Florida. But along the way, I took a summer and I taught fitness on a cruise ship in Europe. And that was an incredible experience. And then when I came back to UF, there was a television producer casting for a TV show 
And I auditioned and thankfully he chose me to co-host Cardio Jam, which was great. But I learned two things via Cardio Jam. Number one is that my skills were transferable to a camera. So the skills that I had in the live audience were just as good via television. And more importantly, once the show started airing throughout the state of Florida, strangers started approaching and saying, are you Fitz? I love you and I work out with you every day and I've lost 17 pounds or my back no longer hurts. And I, I fell fast and hard in love with the idea of having a massive impact. I just thought, whoa, I am helping strangers, people I would never meet in my little small collegiate <laughs> social circle. So from there on, my career went straight towards mass impact. I, I, maybe I did a few more years of teaching in a group setting or personal training. And then from then it's been TV, radio, books, magazine, online content, course speaking has been a high priority and has taken up a, a, a lot of room within my professional space. And I'm so grateful for it. I believe in the power of a healthy body, fostering a healthy mind and improving the quality and length of our lives more than ever. I just believe hardcore because I know it's true. And I'm even more passionate about sharing the simple, stupid ways regular people can go about getting there. That's awesome. And quite a journey. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is it, it sounds like you kind of grew up on fitness in a way. I mean, if you were teaching at 15. Yeah. So what is it you say to those who follow you or those that you meet that didn't grow up on fitness? I mean, maybe your family never did anything and didn't look at nutrition even, or what advice do you give those folks? Yeah. So it's interesting. I didn't start off doing it right. My family was very sporty. And I tried in sports, but I got cut from almost everything. I, I really, <laughs> I wasn't very good at a lot of stuff back in the day. And I was an overweight bulimic. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I was able to turn the corner on it. But fitness is not about being like Kim Kardashian or Liam Hemsworth. Fitness is about you becoming a better version of yourself. Not who you were in high school. It's just you saying, okay, today, can I do something to get 1% better? Can I eat better foods today? I, fitness is not about perfection. It is not about looking hot in a thong on the, on the beach. <laughs> that's what you want to do. Okay, you can get there, I'm sure. But really, it's changing your expectations to, I have to look good for a certain thing. Like, my reunion's coming up. I need to lose 20 pounds. No, you don't. Those people that loved you then will love you now. It's about you living better and living longer. And can you do that? It is. So Fitness is not out of grasp of anybody at all, period. So that leads me to how do people start making those permanent changes? Because it's easy to make a temporary change. And I think that's why we all fail at like New Year's Eve resolutions. Yeah. How do you make it permanent? Yeah. So my ambition within fitness is to make fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. If you really don't get it, then you'll never do it, right? So it's understanding the value and hopefully people do understand the power fitness can have over changing their entire life, not only the way their body feels, performs, and looks, but because it it, it provides all this extra mental space and mental relief and, and turns you into a stronger, more confident person, allows you to deal with your personal relationships and provides you likely more professional success if you want that. So understanding the value fitness can have in your life, but then it's understanding how. So I like to break fitness down into four pillars. There's four four pillars of fitness. So uh, I'll start with a simple question. If I, if 
you can run a marathon, but you can't do five push-ups. Are you fit? No. <laughs> no. If you're a bodybuilder, but you can't touch your toes or scratch your back, are you fit? No. No, no, no. So in order to be truly fit, you need to have a little bit of proficiency in strength, cardiovascular fitness, flexibility, and balance. And so those are something everybody can work on. It doesn't mean you have to be a runner or a bodybuilder, right? So cardiovascular fitness means you're doing something that makes you huff and puff. Easy. That could be dancing, swimming, cycling, karate, whatever you like to do. Just as long as it makes you huff and puff, you could have sex. I don't care. Makes your heart <laughs> more powerful. If we're talking about strength, strength is just your ability to push, press, lift, and pull against resistance. So can you do some push-ups? on your wall to make yourself a little stronger? Sure you can. Can you stand up and sit down in your chair a whole bunch of times to work your lower body? Yes, so it's cardio, it's strength. Strength in order to get stronger, usually you're doing an exercise that makes you grunt. Maybe the first five push-ups aren't so bad, but the last five make you go right there, you're getting stronger. Third is flexibility. Are you challenging your muscles to go through their full range of motion? Now our shoulder, shoulder girdle, for example, it makes a 360 degree loop. Are you putting your arm through all of those degrees each day? Most people would say no. So flexibility is about mobility. And the more you stretch, the taller you'll stand, you'll stand the better you feel. And know that nobody ever says, gee, my back is stiff and means it in a positive way, right? So in order to make progress with flexibility, it's usually the place where you wince. This is not so bad, but the second you pull and you go, hey, that's progress with flexibility. And then for balance, balance training is usually done on one foot. And if you can stand there on one foot still, great. If you stand on that one foot and wobble, fantastic. That's actually when you make progress. If you're standing on one foot and you're thinking, whoa, I have to adjust. That means you're getting better in balance. Michelle, why is balance training important? Well, I know it also affects your brain. It's not just the body, right? I mean, you don't want to fall down when you're Bingo. <laughs> working out, but it also helps the brain. I know that. Coordination, it sure does. But the number one reason we do balance training is so we don't fall down. And since we're in the grown-up category, falls can be catastrophic. So just standing on one foot or if standing on one foot is easy for you, you can just flap your arms around, do something to put you off balance. But yeah, so fitness is just about you making yourself huff and puff, making yourself grunt wince and wobble. And if you do a little bit of that each day, you will eventually get better and better. And maybe you'll get to whatever end goal you've set. And hopefully you do set an end goal that makes you um, excited and a little nervous and challenged. And then of course, there's that nutrition component, which is undeniably necessary to having a fit body. And I'm not going to go into too much detail, Michelle, but if folks go to the cover of fitness.com, there's a box that says exact formula for weight loss. It's gimmick free. It's just you learning how to eat the right amount of the right food for the exact size you specifically want to be. You don't have to be my size. You don't have to be the same size as Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's just <laughs> you saying, I want to weigh 147 pounds and this formula will help you decide how to get there without purchasing anything, no powder, no pills, no snake oil. It's just eating foods in the right quantities. Yeah. And I will add to what you're saying as far as flexibility, for sure. Like I'm currently dealing with frozen shoulder and yes. yeah, you take for granted <laughs> these joints until they stop doing what they were supposed to do. And, and then you realize like your shoulder, how much you use it every day for all kinds of things. 
And so now it's very painful <laughs> to, to use it, but I go to, I'm going to physical therapy. I've gone like 20 sessions. We're still working on it. Well, keep but. going until <laughs> you're where you want to be. Physical therapy is uh, a, a fantastic profession and they're medically superior personal trainers. And if you stick with them, hopefully they'll get you back to your point B. Yeah, I've gotten a lot back. We're still working on some, but that was a one of the things that came to my mind. The other, when you talk about nutrition, I was curious what your thoughts, because we should tell the audience, you're also a cancer crusher, right? As you call it. Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts on sugar? Because I know there's a lot written up about sugar and cancer and inflammation and obvious, obvious connection to nutrition, but... So I can tell you that sugar comes in a lot of forms. If you're getting sugar from your strawberries and your raspberries and bananas, good for you, right? <laughs> Unless you're a diabetic and you need to manage that intake for the norm, some sugars can be great. I don't prefer added sugars. If I'm having a hot tea, I use Stevia products. They, they make me happy. I think they taste great and there's no harm. Now, sugar in cancer is this really controversial topic. And when I was writing... Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, I not only threw in my legitimate expertise as a fitness expert with a master's degree, but I did the research to say, okay, show me the hard evidence, the data for some of these food products and their correlation to cancer. And I couldn't find any hard evidence that sugar causes cancer. And what you'll find is doctors saying, that's not true. That's not true. Stop telling people. So It's a little bit of a myth, but what I can tell you is from firsthand experience, when I had a PET scan halfway through my treatment, I had to go for, I think it was 24 hours without any carbohydrates, without any sugar. I didn't know why, but those were my marching orders. So for 24 hours, I had no carbohydrates and no sugar. And when I showed up the next day for my PET scan, so I go in this room, this tech comes in and the tech's wearing like a lead jacket and a helmet and it's got this this metal lead box and opens it up and there's this vial it's going to inject into me and I say well what are you putting in me what's in there and he said oh it's basically a sugar concoction and I said well why he said well that's why we had you go without sugar for 24 hours because sugar makes the cancer dance it'll make it light up on for the pet scan so I can tell you that there's thousands of brilliant scientists working to find causes or causes for cancer and cures for cancer and preventions for cancer, right? Vaccines. But from firsthand experience, when I sat down in that PET scan, they made me go without sugar. And then they, they injected me with some sort of sugar, maybe some sort of nuclear fluid concoction because the, as he would explained it to me, the sugar would go right to any cancer cells I had and they would light up for the PET scan. So right. I, again, there's no hard evidence, but knowing what I know, do I go low on sugar? I do. I am not perfect. If you bring me a chocolate chip cookie, I'm going to have a bite <laughs> or two. I'm probably not going to eat the whole darn thing. I do love milk chocolate, not dark milk. So I'm not perfect. I don't expect anyone would be perfect, but can you do better? The answer is yes. And if you stop consuming high sugar foods and you start consuming more vegetables and fruit, right? Fruit has natural sugar. That's fine. Stick with it. Fruits and vegetables, lean protein sources, whole grains, avoiding the processed foods, the hydrogenated oils, saturated fats. Those things are proven to 
inspire cancer. Wow. There's a direct correlation between beef and pork and processed meats and cancer, a direct undeniable correlation. So if you're a bacon eater every single day, uh, you're at risk, right? That's that's not a good thing. If you drink alcohol regularly, alcohol is proven to damage your DNA, which makes you more susceptible to those cancerous cells. So yeah, it's food that helps versus food that hurts. That's I think it's chapter eight in my book. It's called Food That Helps Versus Foods That Hurt. But I, it's stuff we learned in kindergarten, right? Mm-hmm. So I go into the hard evidence of what you should lean towards and what you should lean away from. But yeah, none of it is stuff we don't know. I, I I really don't even like to talk down to people by saying, oh, should eat more fruits and vegetables and less sugary snacks, right? But but yeah, we nutrition is very powerful. And when it comes to cancer, there is undeniable evidence and endless studies proving that exercise and quality nutrition will make a cancer patient less likely to have cancer spread more likely to meet remission and less likely to have cancer return. So exercise and nutrition, if you don't care way the body the way your body looks or the way your body feels, fine. Let's do it to prevent cancer and the spread of cancer. Wow. Yeah, very true. There's a lot to absorb there. My my husband's also a cancer crusher. And I, I know that the PET scan was described to us as radioactive sugar. And that the cancer does gobble it up. So it goes right to the cancer. So I'm surprised that the the research doesn't show that they're correlated somehow, but I know they use it for the testing. So that's very interesting. Yeah. It's something I don't have an explanation for. I mean, I'm, I'm not a researcher, right? I research other people's research and I relay (laughs) it or use it, but uh, I I believe you a thousand percent. I just, in general though, less sugar is more in a variety of ways, makes you less prone to diabetes and weight gain and all sorts of ugly things that we just don't want. So having a a low sugar game plan for nutritious eating is a good choice. So you you also brought up another great thing. And that's, I mean, a lot of us, I think are well-versed in what we need to do to lose weight or to get fit and, and not to your level, of course, but to a level enough that we could create change. So why do you think that so many of us are resistant to do that? Well, there's a couple of things. For starters, just bad habits ingrained in people. Because sometimes someone will say, well, my dad's heavy. My parents are heavy. That's why I'm overweight. No, you're heavy because your parents gave you their terrible habits, right? So you're not genetically predisposed to be overweight. You have those habits that keep you overweight. And then number two, there's so much misinformation within fitness and it's really appalling. And so Because I was this overweight, bulimic teenager, boy, do I have a soft spot in my heart for people who are struggling with their weight and just unhappy with their body. I know what it was like to be there. It wasn't okay. It just really was a tough situation. So this is how simple it is. I told you that people could just go online, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the truth about weight loss. Michelle is there's, there is no pill that will do it. No pill that will do it without severe consequence. I mean, right now their Ozempic is the hot thing. Like Ozempic will help you lose weight. Yeah, Ozempic also is is linked to certain cancers and quite a few other scary, scary side effects. So I don't think you want to trade uh, being overweight for cancer, do you? So could you 
choose great habits that have no negative consequences. And I think you can. So learning to eat the right amount of the right food is, is the game plan. You don't have to buy special products. If there is a product that has the word diet on it, you specifically don't want that because it's a load of crap. They're just stealing from you, right? They're just trying to pull one over from you, reach in your pocket, take it and run. So if you, this is the formula and this is how I lost my weight and kept it off. I was reading beyond what my master's degree required. I just wanted to learn. Right? I just wanted to right. learn. So I was reading journals and so forth. And there was one scientific journal that had the this equation. It said, it just said on average, humans burn about 10 calories per pound of body weight per day. And so I read it, I paused and I reread it and I thought, well, it can't be that simple but it is. And so what that means, I'm going to use round numbers here. So let's say someone weighs 200 pounds. On average, they're burning 10 calories per pound of body weight. So you take that 200, multiply it by 10, you get 2000. So we know that person, that 200 pound person is burning about 2000 calories per day. So if you want to stay at 200 pounds, how much do you have to feed your body? 2000 calories a day. Right, 2000. If you want your body to get bigger, you have to give it more calories. If you want your body to shrink, you have to give it less. So let's say you want your body to be 150 pounds. You give it only enough food to sustain a 150 pound person, which is, what's that number? 150 times 10? <laughs> 1500 calories. It's also as simple as put a zero on the end of your goal weight, and that becomes your new caloric budget. Now, this is where people, they where they fail is because they haven't, decided they they'll say okay i'm going to do it and then they do it for two days and expect dramatic results so i live in florida uh let's say i go on vacation for a week i turn off my house i come home it's a hundred degrees in here right i have to i go in and i go to the thermostat and i press 78 degrees boop, boop, boop. does my house poof instantly become 78 degrees no no the air conditioning has to do its job and so you can program your body to be 150 pounds but you have to do the work to get you there. And so if you're a 200 pound person and you start consuming 1500 calories a day maximum, it's like setting your thermostat. Eventually over time, your body will shrink down to that size because it has no choice. You are not feeding the beast anymore and you are not allowing it to be as big as it is. So you, if you want to weigh 137 pounds, your caloric budget is 1,370. If you want to weigh 295 pounds, that's 2,950 calories per day. Now, if somebody has ever told you to eat 1,200 calories, that's only if you want to weigh 120 pounds. That's that's the only person that number is relevant to. There's a weird 2,000 calorie a day suggestion as well. If I ate 2,000 calories a day, I would weigh 200 pounds. I don't want to weigh 200 pounds. I, I'm a much leaner person and 2,000 <laughs> doesn't suit me. So no, whoever you are, you're a real individual, unique person. I don't know how much you weigh. I don't know how much muscle mass you have. It almost doesn't even matter at this point. You are just choosing a goal weight and then you're using your caloric budget. Now, if, well, there's two ways to do the caloric budget. The dumb, dumb way is let's say you have 1,500 calories. You're going to wake up, you're going to go to your favorite coffee shop, you're going to get a bagel with cream cheese, and you're going to a large mocha frappe latte concoction. Right there, you probably have 1,500 calories. Now, if you get up every single day for a year and you only have those two food items or consumables and don't eat anything else the rest of the day, will you lose weight? Absolutely. You could lose weight with using this formula, eat an absolute garbage. However, 
The reality is if you eat yucky foods, usually they're really dense with calories and you're done. You're done eating pretty quickly. If you did that and you didn't have lunch, by noon, you'd have a raging headache. By one, you'd have a stomach ache and then you'd quit, right? Because that was suffering. So instead, what we do with our 1500 calories or however many you get, we spread those calories throughout the day. And the more nutritious foods you have, are they're usually less dense with calories. So think about your vegetables, very low on calories, very high on nutrition, very high on satiety because they fill you up. They're filled with fiber. Fiber is the thing that fills up your belly and tells you, hey, I'm done. Fiber is great for that. Protein's great for that. The things that are not great for satiety and feeling full are empty calories or sugar, there's flour, there's crackers, things of that nature. So you don't have to be perfect. You are a grown up and you don't have to cheat or have a cheat meal or a cheat day or cheat week or any of that nonsense. What you do is say, okay, I get 1500 calories. I'm going to make about 80% of those calories, high nutrition, high quality, yum, yum. I'm going to eat some radishes and strawberries and shrimp, whatever you're going to have. And then you're going to take 20% or less and you're going to have a little fun with it. So maybe that's a glass of wine. Maybe if you're me, you're going to have some milk chocolate every day or, or whatever, a a donut. It's up to you because you're a grown up. but that's how you lose weight. And you do it because you're sticking with it. If you get down to your goal weight and then you instantly go say, I'm going to eat all the calories again, well, then you'll gain all the weight. Your body It's an in versus out equation, and that's not so complicated. So if folks, if you have more questions, if you go to fitness.com and and click on that exact formula for weight loss, but you will see there's a frequently asked questions segment and all of your questions will be answered and you'll just say, it can't be that easy, but it really is. So while people are waiting, I mean, because we are like a instant gratification society anymore, we want things right now and weight loss doesn't work that way. Fitness doesn't work that way. So as you're waiting to get the results, do you recommend, I know you wrote a journal. I'm not sure what kind of journal you can tell us, but do you recommend that people journal what they're eating? Are they journaling their emotions? Are they journaling non-scale victories or what do you recommend? All of the above. Those are great suggestions. So I think an app is great for tracking the, your consumption every day. Uh, I recommend my fitness pal. It's free. It tends to have all the food. You can actually say I, I ate a whole wheat Thomas's English muffin and a tablespoon of Smucker's grapes jelly. And it will tell you how many calories are in those things. So it makes it easy on people. And when it tells you you're done with your clerk, you've hit your calorie limit for the day, just be done, right? So don't listen to its advice because it'll say, oh, you exercise, go ahead and eat 300 calories. Well, that's really stupid on someone who wants to lose weight. If you burn the calories, take the win, <laughs> right? You'll lose weight a little further or a little faster. And know that if you're trying to lose 50 pounds, you don't have to wait. You can enjoy the success you've had this week because usually if you go from really bad habits to pretty moderate habits or good habits, your body will start responding. So you can celebrate one pound, three pounds loss. It'll it'll start happening and, and it won't take long. So the celebrations can start immediately and keep them going. But yes, journaling is proven to help keep you on track and address, allow you to exert your, your stress and your feelings and all of that work. Now, my journal is the Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal. So this is very specific for okay. people going through cancer care. Okay. And I know that I also read like you're a very positive outlook kind of person. 
So do you use that? I, I call it reframing, however you want to word it, but do you use that to motivate yourself? None of us are perfect. None of us ever don't have down times or down days or bad thoughts. And I say bad, meaning like negative thoughts. Do you use that reframing to try to keep yourself motivated? So there's a couple of things. Number one, I was born with a naturally sunny disposition, which is great. My, my mother actually confessed that I was <laughs> conceived at a hotel at Disney World. So <laughs> there you go. So my nature is to be happy. I'm a joy addict and that, that really goes in my favor. I'm also a serious prag pragmatist. And that goes even further because even when I was diagnosed with cancer, I used to say, oh, it's not cancer. And then nothing bothered me. Right. And then it was cancer. And my little mantra of it's not cancer didn't work. And so I had that moment with myself thinking, oh, what do I do? Am I now going to be miserable? And then I thought about all the children in the local pediatric cancer wing of UF Health Hospital. And I thought, well, it's, I'm so fortunate. I'm not a kid with cancer. And more importantly, it's not my kid with cancer. And because of those things, I'm going to be grateful that I am a healthy, sound-minded adult with cancer. And so perspective, it's the pragmatic thing where I just can't even convince myself to waste a day, waste an hour of a day being miserable, talking garbage, just beneficial to nobody. <sighs> but then perspective is really important to me. And between the two, I can keep myself even keeled. Now, I, I just lost a very close friend the other day. He was killed in a bicycle versus truck accident, which is devastating. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. He was one of my race directors, Fargo Marathon, Mark Knudsen, one of the most hardworking men in the endurance industry. And a dear friend is someone who just cared a lot about me. We had a very tight friendship. So have I been sad? Have I cried my eyes out? I have. But then when my son walks in and there's an opportunity to be happy, I take it. I, I know that life is short. And I mean, something could happen to me on a bike or on a whatever. I'm in Florida. I could get struck by lightning. So am I willing to waste happy moments? I'm not. I'm not. So I will take them whenever I can. When my body can't help it and it has to cry, I let it cry. But also when I have the opportunity to smile and laugh, I'll take it every time. I love that. A lot of us, I think, weren't blessed with that sunny disposition. I mean, I'm a generally happy person, but I also get affected by like the world is nuts right now. And if I watch too much news or something, it's like, whoa. And I have to tell myself to get back, to take a break from it. So it's good to be able to, like you said, look for those positive things, like your son walking in the room and focus on that instead of all the negativity out there. Yeah. And you know what, Michelle, a lot of these mindset things are habits. So yes, do I have a natural gift? I do. The joy addict thing is great, but are there also built-in habits that rule my world? Absolutely. When I get stressed, I walk outside. I just go, I just leave. I'll go through a trail. I'll just walk around my neighborhood. I take my dogs. I know the things that calm me down, sitting in the backyard with my dogs, turning on fun music. Even if I'm a super sad person, I will put on Sir Mix a lot and I can't help but start feeling better. So I will force some stress release into my day. And so whoever you are, whether you like singing or dancing or walking or punching things, hopefully not people do those things and you can take the edge off. I think having go-to resolutions for stress management is a very big deal. So if you don't have the natural gifts, a smart person and insert stress relief into your needed spaces. 
So do you think that consistency and habits are number one, as far as trying to get fit, trying to lose weight, whatever it is, your goal is, is that the key to all of it? Yes, yes, yes. It's, uh, I mean, that's where I started with. And I have a workshop, uh, one of the keynotes I do, it's called fixing your life with fitness. And it could also be fixing your life with fitness. It's just my little branded thing. But yes, if you take these measures every day, you get up and you do some sort of exercise, whatever you like, and you, you watch your intakes, food that makes you feel good versus food that makes you feel bad. If you keep your passions involved in your life. So again, music, poetry, animals, car mechanics, whatever it is, do that. When I had cancer, I decided, F it. I am, this thing's going to take my hair. It's going to take some of my terrible feelings or my good feelings. It was going to take it. I was not letting it take my passions. That was my kids and my career. And I forced myself, no matter how sick I was, to go do the special things my kid had. Their show, their ceremony, their sporting events. I was there every time, no matter what. And then I boarded over 30 planes out of Gainesville, Florida and to go to work. So I know that the thing that I love is this connection I have with these people, my runners, my walkers, the audience members for my keynotes. And no matter how bad things got, even if I was sleeping on the hotel bathroom floors because the world was spinning, the second I stood on a stage, every single thing that was wrong with me disappeared. Everything. I wasn't sick. I wasn't Amazing. exhausted. I wasn't suffering in any regard. All of my focus was on my task at hand, on those incredible people I was serving and those organizations that I was supporting. And so that's the benefit of your passions, right? And it has to be habitual. If I had let my career and time with my kids go for 15 months, I'm not, I'm convinced I would not have survived. I'm convinced. So the things that you do for your body, for your mental health, you should do them on the good days. When stuff hits the fan, when your uncle gets hit by a car and he's on life support, you still need to do those things that make you a healthy, thriving person. You have to fend for your mental health. You have to fend for your physical health. If your house burns down, go for a walk. You don't have a house to sit in anyway. So just get your button up and go for a walk around the block because you need it. You need an outlet for some of the ugly things. And so, yeah, exercise and nutrition isn't just for the, the time in your life when things are going well. They are the support system to help you through the hard times. So, I mean, that also makes me think like, I know, and this was not the case in your situation because you were fit before the cancer came. But for a lot of us, it seems like it takes that health crisis, right? Or some kind of crisis in our lives to say, oh, I got to get fit. I got to lose weight. And I've been there myself and I've done it. And I've consequently failed after that. But is there some way, I guess what I'm asking, is there some way to capture or to recreate that mindset that drives you to fitness before the crisis? Does that make sense? Yes, it sure does. And so it's funny, people are listening to you because they want to better themselves, right? So hopefully there's some entertainment value here. Hopefully someone's sitting in their car, riding along, thinking, oh, it's a good conversation. I'm enjoying this, right? And I listen to podcasts all day while I'm putting on makeup, while I exercise, while I am in the car, I always listen to podcasts. But people that are listening to you, Michelle, are probably trying to improve their life in some regard. They're looking for these little golden nuggets that they can take with them to enhance their life. So so yeah, people fail. That's fine. You just get back up and try again, right? It's interesting. People say, well, you're a fitness expert and you had cancer. What hope is there for me? I said, well, 
there's babies in the hospital that have cancer. What did they do? Right. They didn't do anything. They just, cancer's mean. We hate it. I was taught not to say the word hate. I reserve the word hate for cancer and for terrorism, right? Those are the two things that get it. But yeah, we all hate cancer. So it's all too often where people who are not taking care of their health, the second they hear those words, you have cancer or you have ALS or Parkinson's or whatever it may be. It's that moment where all you want is your health, right? People who have tuned out and said, oh, exercises for those lunatics, those weirdos who eat perfect. That's annoying. I don't want to be like them. Okay. The second someone says you have X, Y, Z, all you think is, oh my gosh, I would give it all up. I just don't want to die of cancer. Right. And I definitely thought I was dying. I would have given everything I owned up. And you know what? If cancer would have killed me, everything I own would have been irrelevant anyways. Right. Can't take it with you. So don't wait for something horrible to happen. And I don't like to be a poo-poo person that makes people feel sad or scared, but if you're not taking care of yourself, something bad will likely happen, right? You'll get one of those yucky diagnoses. It might even be GERD, right? Nobody wants GERD. Nobody wants reflux. There's even simple things that can affect your life in a very large way. And so my message with these books and just my words is prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when illness or injury will strike, whether it's a car accident or 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 a scary diagnosis. If you are healthy and fit going into any sort of crisis, you will be far more likely to rebound and recover quickly than if you were not. And so if you're in a place right now and you feel like, geez, I'm not healthy or fit, okay, just start using the information I've shared today. There's nothing I've told you that costs any money. There's nothing I've told you that's impossible for you to do. It's just about you getting better. So start moving in that direction. A month from now, you'll look at yourself and say, hmm, not bad. Three months from now, you'll look and say, whoa, I've really made an impact. A year from now, you might not even recognize yourself, but it's very doable. It just has to be intrinsically motivated for you. I can't make you. You have to want it. Right. I understand that completely. So as we kind of wind down before we go, I have to ask you, I love your name, Fitz, and obviously Fitzness, but how did you get that name? We're Irish. Okay. So it's just a common Irish name. It's my first name. Yeah. Just Irish. I, I didn't know if there was a story behind it or some reason that your parents picked that name. No, no, it's just Irish. And it turned out to be my little gift. And how would they know that I grew up to be a fitness professional? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's perfect for what yeah. you do. Yeah. And for your yeah, branding. You know yeah. I was putting together a video series for children on television at about 20. And I was thinking, what am I going to call it? What am I going to call it? fitness. It just came together and the angels sang and I trademarked it instantly. So you knew right away. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I'm proud of it. Yeah. You should be. That's awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate all your wisdom and knowledge and you talking with us today and, and sharing those golden nuggets with us. I do encourage anyone to go check out your website. Do you want us to tell us again? It's fitness.com, correct? That's right. It's F-I-T-Z as in zebra, N-E-S-S.com. And there's a ton of free resources there. There's the exact formula. There's workout videos. There's a ton of free resources. There's a five-hour online training course that's for purchase, but it's a great deal. And it gives you all the information you need to know to take your fitness all the way to the level you'd like it to be. My books are available there. And really what I'd like is if you guys 
lean into fitness, if you follow me on social media, I promise quality content in return. But really what I'd rather you do is say, I heard you on Michelle's podcast and I'd love to connect because I would much rather have friends than followers. That's awesome. So what social media are you on? Just so they know. Yeah, I'm at fitness on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube. And then I'm also on LinkedIn underneath my real name. But uh, yeah, Uh, I'm available. I'm easy to find. Just go to fitness.com. I'm there. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate today. And I appreciate, like I said, all your wisdom. So thank you. That was great. Thank you. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Fitz sharing her journey and her wisdom has helped you in some way. I think Fitz hit the nail on the head when she said that if we hear a bad diagnosis from our doctor, the first thing we think of is, man, I would give anything to have my health back. And yet, too many of us take our health for granted. And unfortunately, even if we've had a health scare in the past, we can still find ourselves taking our health for granted when things are going well. And that's something we definitely shouldn't do. Another thing Fitz talked about was weight loss, and she even makes the formula for it available to us on her website. We just have to do the work. She says, if you do the work, your body will respond. And she also details it out in today's episode as well, as you've already heard. Additionally, she talked about how fitness shouldn't take a back burner to anything. Even if someone in your family gets ill, letting yourself get weak and unhealthy is not only bad for you, but it does nothing to help your loved one either. Plus, exercise is an outlet or a stress reliever as well. And I thought one of the coolest things Fitz said is how she would love for folks to reach out to her, that she isn't so worried about followers. She wants more friends. And I love that. So what stood out to you? I'd love to hear from you. Drop us a comment. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening.